So we met this guy um, at a Bible study of all places, and he started telling us what he was going through, and he, he was obviously having some hard times. And so we thought it'd be the right thing to do to, you know, try to help him out. And so we let him stay with us and thought that's the least we could do. Well, one thing led to another, and the next thing you know, this guy, he needed money, you know. And so we gave him some, and then he needed more. And, and, and more, and after a while, we realized this guy, we thought he's, he's playing us, he's, he's, he's manipulating us. Um, some of his stories didn't make sense, and we realized that he was lying to us. So we asked him for some of the money back, and, and um, he didn't give us any back. And, um, you know, that, it, it was a lot of money to us and, and um, I mean he just he just it just wasn't right that's not the worst part we found out later that's what pushed me over the edge this guy I can't really say what he did because I just I can't say but he did something to someone in my family that um, You're not supposed to hate, I know that. But it's very, very difficult for me not to hate this man. Let's just put it this way. If I ever run into this guy face to face, after he lied to us, took advantage of us, stole from us, and then did what he did, well, if I ever see him for his sake, he should turn and run. Yeah, he's, he, he will, he will, he'll meet God one day. And then I, I just, God will give him what he deserves. We're in Life Center. Well, I don't think I have to get into too much detail about where we're heading today. I think the little video clip kind of took care of that. I will say this. Uh, I'm excited that you're here, and if you're a guest, thank you for joining us today. I'm very happy that you're here with us. I will say this. Pastor Scott set us up last week for where we're going with hostage, and, and I'm asking you, this is going to be five weeks long, and there is none of us in this room today, including me, everybody that's breathing, that something in these next few weeks is not going to resonate. I want you to understand that We've been talking about freedom. Pastor Scott talked about freedom the, the Sunday before, 4th of July. July is obviously our freedom month in our country where we talk about freedom. There are lots of flags everywhere. We celebrate it. But there, there's something important that you have to understand about freedom. In order to maintain freedom, you must know what will prevent you from keeping it. In order to truly be free, you really have to know what can keep you or prevent you from maintaining and keeping your freedom. And that is not going to talk politics today, but that is the thing that makes me nervous about many things that happen in our country is do we value the things that we hold as freedoms and do we realize what it takes or what can happen that prevents those freedoms from being yours and mine to enjoy. So what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks is really that. It's about being free, 
But more than just being free and enjoying all the benefits of freedom, it's keeping an eye on the things that can prevent you from truly living free. Let me tell you one statement, and I think the world and history can prove it and support this statement. The enemy does not want you free in your normal life and in your spiritual life. The enemy does not want you free. And what we believe is, we believe it's our job, our duty, our calling to help point people to the freedom that Christ brings. That's why we're here, and that's why we're doing what we're doing today and for the next few weeks. So I encourage you, bring somebody with you. Let's talk about this. Let's open the dialogue about this. Let's unpack the things that can prevent, can prevent us from living the free life that God has designed for us to, to, to live. We know and we believe that Jesus came to bring life, but not just ordinary life. He came to bring abundant life, life filled with his blessing and his favor. So let's start with the scripture. Let's start with the Bible. Let's see what the Bible says about bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse number 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Okay, we can probably just fast forward through that because that's too hard to do. <laughs> make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. In the Living Translation, it says hurting many. Make sure that no root of bitterness grows up to cause trouble and to hurt a lot of people and to defile a lot of people. That's what we're going to talk about today. Bitterness is an enemy of your freedom. Bitterness has the ability to hold us hostage, and we believe that God does not want us to live in that way. So what is bitterness? What does it mean when the Bible calls it a root? What does that look like? I will say this. It's not a matter of if, but a matter of when. Everybody in the room will have something happen in your life where bitterness will start to grow because everybody's human. We all have feelings, and guess what? Someone's going to hurt them. Right? If you're married, guess what? <laughs> you definitely will struggle with bitterness at some point in your lovely married life. Because people have feelings. We're emotional. We get charged. We get energized. We're cutful, hurtful, and we can cut with our mouth and with our tongue. And we talked about that a few weeks ago, the power of the words and the, the things we can speak and how life and death is in the power of the tongue, all of those things. So it's a matter of... Uh, of, of when it's going to happen, not if it's going to happen. The root grows, the root of bitterness grows in soil of hurt, a wounded heart, an injury that hasn't been dealt with. It grows from a place that pain and, and hurt has not been identified and not been dealt with. Roots absorb, they store, and they grow. That's what feeds the plant. So I'm not a gardener or a farmer, I try. And I grow a few things, and I feel very proud of myself when it doesn't die. Like, I feel like I accomplished something. We have a herb garden that's this long and this deep, so it can't be very big, right? It's not a lot happening there. But there are four different herbs growing in that garden, and this year we are killing it. Like, it is lush. It looks like a tropical paradise hanging on my deck. Like, I am proud of this garden. I call it a garden. <laughs> it is not a garden. It's a hanging pot. But... I don't know a lot about that stuff, but I have learned something about hydrangeas, and I have a couple of them here today because I find these particular plants a little fascinating. So this is a hydrangea, and it's blue or purple, whichever way you see it. 
This is the same plant, but it's clearly not blue or purple. It's pinkish red. Now, I assumed in my lack of knowledge of plants that these are two different plants. Someone informed me, maybe most of you know this. I did not know this. They're the exact same plant. And I can turn this one purple. And I can turn this one pink. And the only thing I have to do to do that is just to change the pH balance in the soil. So this particular model has more aluminum in the soil than this particular model. And so I can actually take these two plants and with some treatment and some fudging and some adjusting in the soil, I can change the colors and, and flip these ver both around. Interesting, isn't it? Fascinating. The point of this little thing is to let you know that the root feeds the flower. The root feeds the flower. One more time for those of you that aren't catching it. The root feeds the flower. So whatever is held in the soil, whatever is in that dark place where the roots are at, is going to eventually, is going to eventually determine the fruit that hangs on the tree out here. We'll talk about that a little bit more when I'm really like punching this thing home, right? But I just want you to get that, right? The root determines what's hanging on the tree. The root determines what's hanging on the tree. That's why the Bible refers to bitterness as a root of bitterness. Because when bitterness comes, it comes subtly. It comes hidden. It comes in the darkness. And slowly but surely, unchecked, over time, it begins to suck and absorb all the stuff that it's that's festering in the background. And pretty soon, the fruit on the tree is not the fruit that you intended to be. Right? How do we get rid of the root of bitterness. There's really only one antidote, and that's forgiveness. We all have hurts. The question is, will you water the root, or will you put a little roundup on that root? Right? Are you going to water that root of bitterness, or are you going to spray the roundup and watch that thing die? 1 Corinthians says it this way, love. It talked the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. It says there's this one phrase that drives me crazy about that passage of Scripture. I wish they just would kind of eliminate it. <laughs> it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. I have a hard time with that one because my mind doesn't like to forget. You know, and when my feelings are hurt, I really don't like to forget. I like to remember, and I like to remember how it felt, and I like to remember who did it, and I like to hold on to that because it gives me some sort of, you know, a, a power. I think it's protecting myself, but actually what it's doing is it's killing me from the inside out. The thing about bitterness, though, bitterness does keep records of wrong, doesn't it? It plays it over and over like a loop that's stuck, you know, over and over in your mind. The conversation, the hurt word, the angry expression, the action that took place. It's just like a video on repeat. You just keep hearing it and seeing it over and over. Bitterness keeps detailed records of the wrong that was done to you. It produces a poisonous fruit. The New Living Translation of the same passage we just read says it this way. Poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble and it corrupts many how many of you know this? One bitter person can just ruin a whole group of people, right? How about, the, <laughs> how about the coworker on a team that's just a bitter person? And given some time, people are leaving the job. People are, I don't want to be on this team anymore. I don't like that job. What is it? I kind of like what I do, but I can't stand the people. One bitter person. How about Thanksgiving when the one bitter Uncle Joe comes over, right? And 20 years ago, Aunt 
Mary said something to Uncle Joe, and he's been ticked off for 20 years. And so everybody's like this during Thanksgiving, please don't say. And then some inadvertent uh, kid says, you remember? Boom. And then there it goes, right? Thanksgiving destroyed. (laughs) Cleaning up the dishes. (laughs) Right? Bitterness does not... Uh, uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't rest well with people. It, it produces poison. It produces something that, that impacts everyone around the person that's carrying it. There are five qualities of a bitter person. I'm going to move quickly through this because it's just it's five basic things. I just want to help you identify that it's clearly your neighbor I'm talking about right now. Five things to point to them and say, that's clearly you. First of all, justify their bitterness. People justify their bitterness, Right? If you just knew what they did to me, then you would understand why I feel this way. Or I'm the victim. It's my right to be upset. You know what? I'm not arguing with any of that. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. When my feelings are hurt, I want to find somebody that will not tell me, you know, you just got to let that go. I want to find somebody that's going to say, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Dude, if I saw that guy, oh, you're, he's a good thing he's not here because I'd hit him just because I like you. Right? <laughs> just... <laughs> Just this anger and just, you, I have a right to be upset. They hurt me. You're exactly right you do. And you can continue to tell yourself that you're justified. And you know what? You are because and a sign of, of bitterness is we just justify that bitterness. I'm not downplaying that. We're all the same way. Second thing is we become overly critical. This one's funny. Overly critical. If you're married, pay attention to this because it might have happened in your marriage. <laughs> You know that, that, that person that's done you wrong? Next time you see them, they're in a brand new car. And you're like, <laughs> right? I don't even have to fill in the words. You know exactly where I'm going, right? You know because you felt it, right? Oh, they're always flaunting what they have. Their new car has nothing to do with what happened to you. Their new purse they're carrying, that new uh, Michael Kors that you've been looking at and they've got it has nothing to do with the hurt that happened to you. But just because there's a root of bitterness, you just become overly critical of this human, right? The reason why I said marriages, I think marriages get hit hard with this stuff, right? We just catch it on the chin with this. Wife does you wrong and man, for a good solid week, the cooking's wrong, the coffee tastes bad, the house is nasty, like everything's wrong. Like you don't like the shoes she's wearing, her hair looks terrible. It's just every, just overly critical because there's something in here that's just chafing you, right? It's irritating you. Become overly critical. Next is secretly celebrate others' misfortunes. I love that, right? Nobody does that in here. <laughs> Nobody's happy when the person that you have an issue with gets a bad deal. You're like, oh, I feel so bad for them, <laughs> right? It kind of, it's more like, oh, yes, finally, there is a God. He has vindicated me. Because it's all about me, right? And God is clearly fighting my battles, and they got what's coming. It's about stinking time, and I just love this moment in my life, right? They celebrate others' misfortune. Or here's one that I think is, is very fitting for us. that We write off, people with struggle with bitterness write off entire groups of people. Entire groups of people. A bad experience that a, a woman may have with a man in a relationship. How many of you met the woman who every male figure is just a loser, Right? Because it's from a bad play. Same thing happens with guys. Guys do the same thing. Classify the entire female race, right? Because they just are all evil. Happens with churches all the time. Somebody has a bad church experience and every church is out to get their money. 
Every church is evil. Happens with, with, with pastors because pastors have a spiritual position in people's life. And so you come across one that really is not a, he's a bad egg and he hurts you. And then every pastor from there on out. You really see it in the political stage too. I, I, didn't really, I don't really follow politics much. I, I, I do know who the president is, so I'm proud of myself for that. No, it's not that bad. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't follow it intensely. But what I have learned and noticed in the last probably, I don't know, 8, 10 years of my life is I remember when you disagreed with the opposing party. You know, you didn't have to agree with them. But now people hate the opposing party. Like if you have the wrong bumper sticker on your car, people just write you off because that's not my party. Hate entire groups of people just because of something. And the last is this one. And I made it easy for you by saying you can identify all these things in the person sitting beside you or the person across the way. But people that struggle with bitterness really have a hard time seeing bitterness in the mirror. Really have a hard time recognizing it in themselves because it's so much easier to identify and see it in someone else. So while we're having this conversation today, and I'm doing most of the talking, you're thinking, that guy, well, I wish they were here today. This would have been perfect for them. They needed this. In fact, you text them later. Check out the podcast for this week. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be blessed. <laughs> Let's scroll back up to, what was that? Celebrate others' misfortunes. That, never mind. Here's the deal. In order to deal with bitterness, you have to recognize bitterness. And you cannot, I'll tell you about this series right now. I'll put this up front. And we do this here. We, we, we're real people in this church, right? We deal with real problems. The stuff we're going to talk about today, if you choose to realize it, it'll change your life. If you choose to pass it off to someone else, you'll be the same as you've always been. That's just a disclaimer. In order to grow in Christ, you have to recognize your areas that he's talking to you and you have to listen and you have to say, okay, God, let's talk about this. And I'm not downplaying, and as we get a little deeper, I'm not downplaying the hurt that comes from things that happen in our lives. But I will say this, we do not have to live as a hostage to this any longer because Jesus came to set us free. He came to set us free. It really is a question of with whom or what am I bitter? With whom or what are you bitter? And it can be something as simple as being overlooked for a promotion at work. You know, you work hard. You get a job, you try to do your best, and the Yahoo gets, passes you up for the promotion. That's hard. It's hurtful. It's painful. And, and bitterness can start with something that simple, or it can, be, it can be more serious. It can be someone in your family or a friend or whatever that's lying about you. They're spreading false rumors. They're gossiping, and it's destroying your credibility. That's bad. There's nothing good about that. I can't find any Bible verses that will make you feel encouraged. <laughs> it's just not good. So that's serious, it hurts. Or, or even, even worse, if you are a victim of parental abuse or neglect. Man, you don't just walk, you don't shake that off. You don't walk that off. When someone who you trusted was supposed to be there for you and nurture you and care for you, they abandoned you and they hurt you and they left you, you just don't shake that off. It's real and it's deep and it hurts. Or a friend that, a friend, you know, that did you wrong. You loaned them money, you trusted them, you helped them, but they, they, they turned their back on you. They just did, did things wrong in your life and they, they, they just rejected your kindness and then here you are holding the bag. A spouse that was unfaithful. You just don't walk away from those things. You're hurt. Kids are hurt. People are wounded. The wounds are deep. And I'll say this. Perhaps you're even bitter at yourself because of changes or, or decisions and choices you've made in your life that you realize were terrible. You can carry bitterness and unforgiveness towards yourself. 
It all is a root that if it's not dealt with, the people that are around you will soon begin to feel the effects because the Bible tells us that many people are wounded because of a root of bitterness, not just the carrier. How do we get rid of this? I already told you that forgiveness is the real roundup for this root. It's the real antidote to kill this root, but it's difficult. It's hard. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, it doesn't really give us an option. You know, there's some, there's some statements in the Bible that you can like, well, it's just a good suggestion and I like it. And there are some that's kind of like smack you in the head and you're like, well, there's no avoiding this one. I just kind of have to do what it says, right? <laughs> this is one of those. Ephesians 4, 31. Get rid of all bitterness. Not I suggest or recommend you try to lose it. It just says get rid of it all. Rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And here's the kicker. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. How many of you are grateful for forgiveness today? That's right. Hands are going up because we're grateful because Christ forgave us. But he tells us if we're going to be the recipients of that, we've got to relive that. We've got to give that away to other people. You have to just get rid of bitterness. You have to just get rid of it by killing it with forgiveness. I read a story about uh, back in the uh, Middle Ages, two monks came up to a uh, a, a creek that had been swollen by the rains that they had been having. And these particular monks were from an order that they were celibate, obviously, but they, they didn't, they weren't just that. They, they didn't talk to women. They could not physically touch. They couldn't shake a woman's hand. None of that, right? No physical contact with women. So these two monks were on a journey. They come up to this flooded creek. And right there on the banks of the creek is a bride who is fully dressed in her handmade gown and she's weeping and being monks they're very kind people I guess um, <laughs> he said what's wrong well I need to get to the other side because that's where my wedding is but if I go into this water it's going to ruin my wedding dress and so here are two monks and a bride who's weeping and they have a dilemma she is obviously a woman and we need to help her but we can't touch this woman we're pushing the envelope by talking to her so finally, one of the monks just gingerly reaches over, scoops the lady up in his arms ever so carefully, and just wades her across the, the swollen creek, sets her down on the other side, and much to the chagrin of the other monk on the other side, whose mouth is hanging open, she gives him a big hug, and she carries on her way to her wedding. So monk number two crosses the river, he's like, dude, dude, you have done it. <laughs> you have broken the cardinal rule. Well, I can't believe you did that. Why would you do that? couple of days pass, things are normal, and the monk comes back to the other guy. He's like, dude, I still just can't believe that you touched that woman. He responds, with all due respect, brother, I set the woman down two days ago, and you're still carrying her in your heart. Tracking with me? The deal with bitterness is the issue happens, it's over, it's done. But where the problem lies is it's in our heart and we're still carrying it. We're still holding it. We're still keeping it alive. We're still making it fresh. We're still keeping this thing alive. We are not designed by God to carry that kind of stuff. 
He didn't create us that way. He created us to be free. And let me tell you something. Bitterness will lock you down and you will not live a free life. But I'm telling you, Christ came to change that dynamic. Forgiveness is not a word that can be tossed around flippantly with a cavalier attitude. Listen, I cannot begin to imagine some of the life struggles that you in this congregation have experienced I've heard the statement that says if trouble was like dirty laundry and it was hanging out for everybody to see, most times everybody would go pick up their own dirty laundry and take it home. But you just don't know the issues that people deal with. And so don't for a moment say, well, that Pastor Andrews is really flippant. I'll just forgive everybody. And everything's good. No. Forgive and forget is a, it's hogwash. It's not possible. We don't forgive and forget. You can't forget things that happen to you. God is the only one that has the ability to eradicate a memory. When it talks about how he views our sin after he has forgiven us, he remembers it no more. It's a choice that a deity has the ability to perform. But you and I, not possible. Not possible. So forgiveness is not something that I'm flippantly saying, this one's an easy one. If you're bitter, forgive. We can all go home and have chicken. No. It's so much bigger than, or beef, whatever you're feeling, or vegetarian if there's a vegetarian in the house. Here's the deal. The significance of deep hurt cannot be overstated or understated, however you view it, from a religious context or from a biblical context. Let me just throw two statistics that I came across. And this, this is just a, a, an extreme case. One in six boys and one in four girls are victims of inappropriate sexual conduct through the course of their life. Look around this room right here. Just look around. Everybody swivel your heads. Come on, move some heads. How many boys and girls, men and women, are you seeing? So if I did a count, one, two, third girl, fourth girl, that one. One, two, three, four, that one. You starting to get the picture? The point is, the reason why I grabbed that statistic is because in my mind, I can't imagine someone experiencing that kind of aggression, that kind of pain, that kind of lasting emotional scar. Yet one in four females, one in six males. So if that's the only thing we're talking about today, there's a large number of people in this room today that have a right to be bitter. I acknowledge your right to be angry and to be bitter. The problem is... The problem with that is the bitterness destroys you and the relationships around you. And Christ is just saying, if you'll let me in the door, forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door so that healing can move in and you can have a change inside who you are. He's not belittling your pain by saying you have to forgive. He's not making light of your pain by saying you have to forgive. Isn't it ironic that on the cross, while he's physically broken, at that moment is when he chooses to verbalize, Father, forgive these people. He's been falsely accused. He's been ridiculed. He's been physically beaten and, and just tortured. Yet out of his mouth comes the words that would be impossible nearly for any of us in this room to say. We get someone that does, cuts us off in traffic and we're not sure if that person can ever make it to heaven. If it's up to us, they're definitely not going. I'll speed you up to hell, in fact. I'll give you a, a one-way ticket. I can help you get there fast. <laughs> I'm not understating or undervaluing or underappreciating the pain that comes with hurt. But we don't have to live 
as hostages anymore. Let me tell you just quickly about forgiveness. There are miraculous moments of forgiveness where God reveals something to you and boom, it goes. It's gone. I believe in that. I've seen it happen. It's amazing. People, people forgive and it just it releases. They're better. They don't have any emotions attached to that person anymore. Do they forget it? No, it's still there, but there's no, there's no pain. There's no pulling. God just miraculously, poof, it's gone. And that's amazing. But the majority of what I see is what I call disciplined forgiveness. It's the daily choice that says, I'm not going to allow bitterness to destroy my life or the people that I love. Instead, I'm going to fight to have forgiveness so that the root of bitterness does not live flourishing and growing healthy in my life. I want to kill it every day. But the deal is the hurt is deep. The pain is great. So let me tell you this. You can't expect to wake up tomorrow and say, I forgive that guy. Boom. I can't believe how wonderful it is. The birds are singing. The sun is shining. The leaves are greener than ever. It's not going to be that way. It's going to be a choice. It's going to be a leaning onto the power of God, the Holy Spirit that lives in us to help us rise above it. Let me tell you something. If it's too heavy, then just start saying, God, please help me to be able to forgive. I don't want to live as a hostage to bitterness any longer. And in fact, maybe try it this way. God, help fill in the blank, whoever hurt you, to just do better. Start with that. Start. Don't expect this stuff to evaporate. If you have to fight, just keep fighting. Healing comes through the slow, steady steps of uprooting the bitterness, and forgiveness starts to, to move in and peel away that pain as you begin to work through that hurt, that, that damage inside of us, and we allow the Spirit of God to heal us. But there are a lot of roots. It's not just one big root that you pull out. I grew up in Africa. I'll show you some pictures of some palm trees. Palm trees are interesting. I picked this picture because the water had eroded the root ball. Palm trees don't have big roots like our oak trees do here. They have masses of roots that are the size of my finger, just thousands of roots. So if they're going to, when I lived in a rural area and they didn't have big equipment to get rid of these, they didn't have. Uh, stump grinders and big backhoes. So if they were going to fell a, a, a palm tree, sometimes they would cut it down, but most of the time what they would do is they would get shovels, spades, and they would literally dig a hole around this, the root ball of this tree and hack away at those little roots until eventually the tree just fell over. So they would come to work to work on these roots and they would sharpen their spades like it was a blade because it was, there was no fast way to do it. There was no quick way to solve the, the situation. So the sharper your blade was and the amount of determination you had determined when that tree was coming down. There's no difference when you're dealing with bitterness. You just got to get up every morning. Father, would you just help me sharpen my blade today because I got to dig through some pain. I got to dig through some roots. It's going to be hard today. Maybe the next day's not so hard, but then the third day may be harder. It's just a disciplined way of letting this stuff out of your life. And what will happen is you'll start to see, you start to change from blue to pink. You start to change from hatred hanging on the tree to some kindness starting to bud. You start to change the language that's coming out of your mouth. Instead of cutting, biting words to the people you care about, there's softer terminology that's coming out. You're still you, but something is slowly changing. And with every one of those slow changes, you're moving more towards a life of freedom where you can live a different way than you've lived up to that point. 
It's a decision. It's a determination. And you do not have to live as a hostage to bitterness any longer. You don't have to do it. The importance of forgiveness. And again, I've made it very abundantly clear that I'm not being flippant with this word. But Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is one of those statements that Jesus makes that is just it knocks the wind out of you. There's no, there's no fancy way to say this to make it sting less. There's no pretty packaging on this comment to say, well, he really just meant it. No, he just meant it the way he said it. And I don't know about you, but forgiveness from heaven is a big deal in my life. I kind of need it, <laughs> right? Because I'm pretty sure tomorrow there's a high probability I'm going to do something wrong. It's just, it's just going to happen, right? And because of that, why am I so cavalier and so, so, so flippant with my, with my attitude of calling people to justice? And let me tell you something about this healing process. It cannot come from a place of obligation. It may start there, but it has to come from a place of I just want to be free. I just want to be free. I don't want to wake up every day feeling the, the sting of this hurt. It's just staying with me. I'll say this. Some, some people today will not grasp how critical this is. Some people that are in this room is, just will not get it. Just will not understand the impact of this. They won't understand that the poison that, that seeps from that root of bitterness is actually hurting the people in their lives that they care about. It affects marriages. It affects parent-child relationships. It affects family dynamics. It affects your ability to deal with people in general. It'll, I, I will go so far as to say it will affect your ability at work. But some people will not realize it because one of the attributes of bitterness, right, is you can't see it in the mirror, just can't recognize it. There's a saying that says hurting people hurt people. You've heard it before? Hurting people hurt people. It's because whatever the soil is and whatever the roots are buried in, that's what determines the flower. It's what determines what hangs on the tree. In Galatians the fruit of the Spirit, we call it. It's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If the root of bitterness is growing in your life, you can replace that fruit with things like anger and hatred and intolerance and harsh words that cut deep. And do you see what happens? Do you see how it, it reproduces itself? Try as you might. If you plant an apple seed, you cannot grow a banana tree. Try as you might. So if there's a root of bitterness in you, the Bible's right when it says it hurts many, many, many people. 
because you can try to let some goodness grow on the tree, but it's not going to last because the roots are feeding this fruit of hatred and anger and bitterness and resentment. I ask you to stand with me today. It doesn't land you on a high note today. I get that. But I will tell you this. If you can just crack the door open a little bit and you can just ask yourself the question, God, is there, is there a root of bitterness in me that I've just let go? Have I been kind of naive or blind or, or just not paying attention that, yeah, I really do? It's there and I've just been marginalizing pretending it's not there we're created to live in freedom in fact the Bible says that Christ died so that we could be free it's for freedom that Christ died and any one of us in this room that is allowing a root of bitterness to burrow we're slipping behind a barrier that's preventing us from being free like we were created to be. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm gonna, prayer team's going to step up here like we always do. We do it on purpose. It's intentional. We want to connect with you and help you connect with God. But before they, you come up, I'm asking, please close your eyes because I'm going to ask some people to raise their hands. Two people, two groups of people. If you do not know Christ, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And the second group of people, if you know there's a root of bitterness in your life that you've been dealing with, or maybe not dealing with, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hands up because I'm going to pray just a minute. Thank you for slipping your hands up. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. You can put them down. Thank you for being honest. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to, I'm going to pray specifically about this. And I'm going to invite you, if you need extra help, to just step up here and let us pray with you. In Jesus' name, Father, I thank you that, that while <clears throat> there's so many promises in your word that are exciting and motivating and encouraging and inspiring, there's, there's stuff that you say that it's hard to hear. It's really hard to hear it when, when it's resonating because I know that I'm guilty of it, God. I'd be lying to myself if I would be saying that there's not a root of bitterness burrowed in this heart. I just ask God that you would, those that raise their hand, God, out of openness and honesty, transparency, however you take them on this journey, if you instantly give them that miraculous moment of forgiveness and everything just vanishes. I celebrate with them today because that is a gr as great a miracle as one could ever experience. But God, if you instead choose to take them down the scenic route of freedom from bitterness, then God, I pray that you would just give them the courage. Their pain is real. Their hurt is real. The beauty of this, God, is when we begin to relinquish that forgiveness and that hurt, you begin to move in and heal that pain and ease the wounds and make us new creatures. 
So I pray today for strength for those that have done it. For those that have raised their hands, God, I pray you give them the strength and the courage to release through forgiveness, to kill the root of bitterness through forgiveness. Give them the strength to do it every day as you lead them from bondage into a life of freedom. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, we're asking you to come right now. Let us pray with you today.